In the 1970s, Uganda was under the control of a brutal dictator, Idi Amin, who was committing genocide on his own people. Over 300,000 Lengi people in Uganda had been killed during his eight-year reign. During that time though, John Akiboa had managed to win the 400 meter hurdles at the 1972 Olympic Games, becoming the first Ugandan athlete to win an Olympic gold medal. Because of this, he became a national hero and was rewarded with celebrations and gifts directly from Idi Amin himself. Akiboa, a Langi himself, would quickly find his celebrity status to be a gift and a curse, soon becoming a refugee from the country that once loved him for his success on the track. My name is Anderson, and this is Track and Field Black History. In 1949, John Akiboa was born in Abako, Uganda in the Langi subregion of the country. His family were semi-nomadic with a farm based in the area he was born. Akibua's father was a predominant chief in the area and apparently owned upwards of 120 cattle. He also had eight wives and over 40 children. Though his father was relatively well off, in 1965, when Akibua was just 15 years old, his father passed away, leaving his large family in a much tougher situation than when he was alive. Around this time, though Akibua was attending school, he had only achieved basically an elementary education. He made the decision to drop out of school so he could focus on supporting his family full time on the cattle farm. His father's death left them in a tough financial situation requiring the farm to get as much help as possible. So Akibua spent most of his time tending to the family's cattle, milking, plowing, and just tending to the herd for the most part. Though he had worked on a farm growing up, this became his full-time job for about a year. Soon after though, one of Akibua's older brothers who owned a bar asked if he would be willing to be a cashier there. So here he was able to work and earn a bit more money, but within a year, in 1966, he moved to Kampala, the capital of Uganda, and enrolled in the police force. Now, while in the police force, he had to undergo training for many, many months until he eventually passed his basic police training in 1967. The Kampala Police Force was part of a police athletic league, which gave him the opportunity to participate in organized running and competitions. While this would be essentially be his formal entry into track and field, his introduction to athletics dates back to when he was just a child. Akibua remembers that when he was young, his father would set up small age group competitions among the siblings in the family. Remember, there were upwards of 40 of them. Now, his father kind of made it into a really big thing for the family where they would race over various distances and the winner would get little gifts and candies and things like that. So when he joined the team for the police force, he likely tapped into that childhood experience. For training, they would get up at 5.30 a.m. in the morning, do physical training, and then another three miles of almost cross-country-like running. But Akibua's stretching skills and flexibility were so well-developed that it led him to get into the hurdles, specifically the shorter hurdles. He would be coached by Jora Mochana, Uganda's 400-meter hurdles record holder and a senior-ranking policeman in the force. Ochana saw the potential in Akiboa, still just a teenager at the time, and began to prepare him for higher level competition. Now within a few months, Akiboa was making a significant impact. Throughout 1967, he won multiple competitions, including four police league championships. This began to bring him recognition nationally and brought on more opportunities for him to run. Though the short hurdles were his focus, 
He was also competing occasionally in other events from the sprints to field events and later on in 1971, he even set the Ugandan national record for the decathlon. Now his performances and recognition eventually brought him to Malcolm Arnold who was from Great Britain but serving as the national athletics coach for Uganda. At the 1969 East and Central African Championships held in Kampala, which included athletes from Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, and Zambia, Akibua won the 110 meter hurdles. Though he was excelling in the 110 hurdles, soon after the championships, Coach Arnold convinced Akibua that if he moved up to the long hurdles, the 400 meter hurdles, he would potentially achieve a lot more success and maybe even rank among the best athletes in the world. So with his guidance, Akibua made the transition from the short hurdles to the longer hurdle event, and eventually it did pay off. A year later, he qualified for the 1970 Commonwealth Games in Edinburgh, Scotland. There, despite a lack of significant competition due to a back strain and hernia, Akibua would finish fourth place in the 400 meter hurdles, running 51.14 seconds. This was a huge result for Akibua. Though by the end of the 1970 season, he didn't rank in the top 10 in the world overall, his performance at those Commonwealth Games proved that he can compete amongst the best in the world. 1971 proved to be an even bigger year for Akibua. He had run 49.7 seconds on the grass in Uganda, which was one of the fastest times of the year and granted him the opportunity to compete at more international meets. At the 1971 USA Russian World R-Star Track Meet in Berkeley, California, he won the hurdles in 50.1 seconds. But one of his biggest performances came at the 1971 Pan-Africa USA Track Meet held in Durham, North Carolina on the Duke University campus. This meet has some of the best athletes from 14 African nations competing against American athletes. Here, Akibua would go on to win the 400 meter hurdles in a time of 49.0 seconds, which was not only a world leading performance at the time, but also an African continental record. Along with a few other international competitions, this was setting up Akibua to be a force at the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich, Germany the following year. In the lead up to the 1972 games, with barely any hurdle training, Akibua ran 49.6 seconds at the Compton Invitational in California. This indicated that he was in extraordinary good form and ready to potentially win a medal at the Olympics. Despite all his impressive performances though, Akibua was not widely seen as a top medal contender. Defending Olympic champion David Hemery of Great Britain and Ralph Mann of the United States were seen as the clear favorites, and Akibua had only raced Hemery once, coming in second place in a very close race. So entering the Olympics, even being the world leader in 1971 and already one of the fastest in the world in 1972, Akibua was not seen as a medal favorite and some didn't even consider him to be a potential finalist. Prior to 1972, only two black men had ever made the Olympic final and won medals in the 400 meter hurdles and never before had a black African athlete done so. Despite the continent going through a period of decolonization since the late 1950s, there was still this widely held belief that African athletes were not able to compete with the best in the hurdles as it apparently may be too technical of an event for them. As noted, David Hemery and Ralph Mann were seen as the favorites for the Olympics. And to be fair, Hemery had won the gold medal at the 1968 Olympics in a world record of 48.12 seconds, and Mann was the current world leader at 48.44 seconds, so both significantly faster than Akibua's best of 49.0 seconds, 
but that really didn't matter. Akibu was confident and his goal was to not only win a gold medal, but also break the world record in the hurdles. So at the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich, Germany, Akibua comfortably won his quarterfinal heat in a time of 50.35 seconds. Despite winning though, many still questioned if he would be able to go any further than that. The four other quarterfinal heats all had winning times between 50.0 and 49.72, so many looked at Akibua as well below the other best. But he had been running well within himself, knowing he was able to comfortably qualify into those semifinals. And in the semifinals, this is where he really did shock the world for the first time. In the first semifinal, Akibua was in lane two, while his top competition, Mann and Hemery, were in lane one and five respectively. In a turn of events, Akibua found himself leading the race, entering the final straight, eventually comfortably winning in a time of 49.25 seconds, his second best time ever, ahead of both Mann and Hemery. This set him up for a potentially very good chance to win in the final. But unfortunately, the games used a random selection to determine the lane draw for the men in the final. So despite running the fastest time in the rounds and beating the top two men in the world, Akibul was given the dreaded lane one, all the way to the inside and tough to navigate for any event and arguably even more so in the 400 meter hurdles. But that meant nothing to him. He had run in lanes two in both his heat and semifinal, so he was already a bit used to the inside and his goal was to win, so nothing was gonna deter him from that. After a sleepless night before the finals, where he was basically having nightmares of possibly losing, he was up the day of the finals, ready to leave it all on the track. From the gun, Akibul was out fast in lane one, but so was Ralph Mann in lane six, who may have been the first one to clear that first hurdle. But as the race progressed, Akibua began to creep up a bit on the rest of the field. Because he was down in lane one though, it was tough to tell his true position and place, but he was clearing the hurdles a stride or two before anyone else. David Hemry on the other hand, who started off a little bit slow, began to make a move at just about 200 meters, surpassing Mann on his outside and seemed to be leading the race at this point. At hurdle number eight, Hemry and Akibua cleared the hurdle at the same time with Hemry touching down maybe a split second before Akibua. Entering the straight though, it was no competition. Hemry faded into third place with Mann edging him out for second, but Akibua was away and gone. He flew down the straight, clearing the final two hurdles with ease and crossing the line in a time of 47.82 seconds a huge personal best and world record in the 400 meter hurdles. He became the first person in history to ever run sub 48 seconds in the 400 meter hurdles. Probably in a sense of shock and excitement, he simply continued running through the line as if the race wasn't even over. He eventually did ease up, but continued around the track, jumping over hurdles, going for his victory lap. And at about 50 meters past the finish, he looked back and up at the board, finally realizing that he had broken the world record. Apparently, the International Olympic Committee didn't provide time for athletes to do victory laps, which nowadays is pretty much commonplace, but the Munich crowd were cheering, on their feet, celebrating the amazing performance they had just seen. So Akibua continued around the track, waving to the crowd, celebrating and cheering on with them. Here, we had not only the first black man to win an Olympic gold in the 400 meter hurdles, but also the first African athlete to win a medal in a sprint or hurdle event. 
the cards were completely stacked against Akiboa, being doubted before the games, being placed in lane 1 in the final, and then being the only black athlete amongst a field of white Americans and Europeans. The skepticism the world had about black African athletes' ability in the 400m hurdles made this a huge win for not only Akiboa and not only Uganda, but for the African continent as a whole. This performance though would literally change Akiboa's life in both positive and drastically negative ways. Upon his return to Uganda, Akiboa was a hero. After winning the first ever Olympic gold for his country, he was greeted with a huge celebration, fanfare, and all kinds of things from his country. Even from Uganda's leader Idi Amin, he granted him a house to live in. Note though that many East Asians had been expelled from Uganda during his time, so the house gifted to Akiboa was one of many that Idi Amin had essentially taken from former East Asians living there. But Akiboa had also later been promoted to senior superintendent of the police force and even had a street named after him in the capital city. Now Idi Amin had taken over the country in a military coup in 1971, making himself the president but he would eventually become one of the worst dictators in history. During his time, Amin was literally massacring people of the Lengi and Acholi ethnic groups in Uganda. By early 1972, just a year since Idi Amin took power, over 1,500 mostly Lengi and Acholi people had been killed or quote disappeared. Unfortunately, Akiboa himself was a Lengi. Now, there were a couple factors that essentially kept Akiboa alive during this time in the early 70s though. First, he was part of the police force. He was also gaining international recognition in athletics in the lead up to the Olympics. And then of course, he eventually won that Olympic gold medal, making him a national hero. But his Olympic gold was not an absolute saving grace. Between 1973 and 1976, Akiboa competed in various international meets and was ranked number one in the world in 1973. In 1974, he had a bit of a drop off, not able to run within the top 10 times in the world, but 1975 saw him get back in form, ranking number two in the world overall. During this whole time though of him traveling internationally to compete, the Ugandan government was restricting all of his movements. They stopped allowing his wife and kids to travel outside the country with him simply because they were afraid that he would potentially defect from the nation. In the midst of this though, Akiboa had his sights set on the 1976 Olympic Games in Montreal, Canada, where he would be one of the favorites along with the next rising star, Edwin Moses of the United States. Unfortunately though, Akiboa would never get the chance to compete at those games. South Africa had been banned from the Olympic Games since 1964 because of their policies of apartheid. Early in 1976 though, the New Zealand rugby team had done a tour of South Africa, playing games all around the country. Because of this, 29 mainly African nations called for New Zealand to be banned from the Olympic Games for essentially supporting South Africa. When the IOC refused to ban New Zealand, these countries boycotted the 1976 Olympics. With Uganda not participating now, Akibul would not have the chance to defend his Olympic gold medal and Edwin Moses of the US would go on to become the new Olympic champion and break Akibul's world record running 47.64 seconds in Montreal. Back in Uganda though, things were getting very unstable and dangerous for Akibul. The government had essentially stripped away most of the resources that could support sports and athletics in the country and Idi Amin was continuing to build up his military and commit genocide on his own people. 
Many people were telling Akibua that his life was in serious danger, while on the other hand, he was quickly losing people that he could even actually trust. Now, he barely competed in 1977, and because of that, rumors internationally began to spread that he had actually been locked up and put in jail by Idi Amin. But those rumors were eventually proven to be untrue. There were unfortunately even times though that Akibua and other major sports stars in the country were used as props by Idi Amin. When Amin would face criticism for the killings of the Lengi people in the country, he would bring Akibua and some of the other celebrities on TV to show that he wasn't killing Lengis, as these celebrities that he was bringing on, they were actually alive and enjoying themselves. Well, Akibua looks back at that time and the gold medal that he won as kind of a gift and a curse. In an interview years later, he said, if I had not won that gold medal, perhaps I could leave Uganda, but I won the highest honor in track for my country, so I couldn't leave it. Uganda was, in effect, a prison. I guess he wanted to put me in jail several times, but I guess he didn't do it because I was too prominent a person. So he was referring to the fact that Idi Amin wanted to throw him in jail. So in the eight years between 1971 and 1979, Idi Amin had killed upwards of 300,000 of his own Ugandans, which is just an estimate and could very well be much larger of a number. In 1978, after Ugandan national forces began to make incursions into Tanzania, eventually launching an actual invasion, the Ugandan-Tanzanian War, also known as the Ugandan Liberation War, was officially launched, kickstarting what would be a grueling nine months of fighting and instability in the country. In around March 1979, with Tanzania looking to win the war and Idi Amin beginning to potentially lose his grip on power, Akibua looked to flee to Kenya along with his family. At the time, he had three children and his wife was five months pregnant with a fourth. They decided that it would be safest to have his wife and kids go to a border town ahead of him and he would meet them there later at the last minute when it felt the safest. At this point, he was seen as a target from all sides. Idi Amin's army would see him as a Lengi and trying to defect to leave the country, but then his own people would see him as having worked with Idi Amin simply because of all the things Amin gave him for celebrity status. So driving to meet his family at the Kenyan border, Akibua had been stopped by police multiple times, but thankfully he was able to make it there safely, reuniting with his family. Because of the stress of everything that they went through though, his wife prematurely gave birth to a child who unfortunately died just a day later. Well, despite the never-ending tragedy, they were focused on crossing into Kenya by any means necessary. They decided that the safest way would be for Akibua to drive alone through one route, while his wife and kids and brother would cross on foot via a different route. He later found out that his family safely made it across the border. At this point, Idi Amin had been removed from power and was now in exile. Because of this, many were calling for retribution against anyone who benefited from his rule in any capacity. So when he eventually crossed over into Kenya, Akibua, along with hundreds of other Ugandans, were arrested and sent into a detention camp. It had been determined that Akibua was a police officer under Idi Amin's regime. And because of this, he potentially faced being sent back to Uganda, which essentially would have been an almost certain death for him. While in the camp though, a foreign film crew was recording and eventually came across Akibua, recording how he felt about the situation. In those recordings, Akibua said, quote, I never felt so miserable. I feel like I just don't know what I could say. I've not taken showers. You can see my hair. You can see my beard. I've never shaved. You can't explain anything to anyone. 
This was an Olympic champion, one of the greatest athletes in the world, an African hero sitting in a detention camp as a refugee, fleeing from a war and potentially facing death back in his own country. After seeing those videos and images of Akibor, there was complete shock around the world. Luckily though, the German sports company Puma took notice and decided to act. Akibua had been running using Puma shoes and had been taking part of marketing campaigns for them in the past, so they felt the need to save him. So working with the German embassy, Puma was able to get Akibua and his family asylum in West Germany. So shortly, him and his family were flown out to Germany where Akibua was eventually provided housing and a marketing job with Puma as well. In the midst of this, Akibua had his sights set on the 1980 Olympic Games in Moscow, Russia. And despite literally fighting for his life, he was able to successfully get the chance to compete at the games. Though he only made it to the semifinal round, it was all but a miracle that he was alive and had the opportunity to compete at another Olympics. After living in Germany for almost four years, Akibua eventually returned to Kampala, Uganda in 1983. Unfortunately though, despite being marginally safer, the opportunities were few and far between in the country. Akibua eventually did rejoin the police force, but because of changes in the government and the systems, many university students were now in the force with him and almost looked down on him for not only his lack of formal education, but also for what many saw as him catering to Idi Amin during the dictatorship. For most of his post-athletic life, he unfortunately lived in relative poverty in Uganda. In the early 1990s, over 20 years after his gold medal win, he did finally have the opportunity to help promote the growth of Ugandan athletics. Sadly though, in 1997, when he was just 47 years old, Akibua passed away in Kampala, Uganda. Through Akibua's life, he faced success, fame, glory, as well as disappointment and tragedy. But his legacy is one that will always be remembered. Despite his untimely death, he overcame insurmountable obstacles to participate in the sport that he loved and to protect his family every step of the way. From winning his gold medal and becoming an African hero, to later becoming a refugee, literally running for his life from his own country. Though he left his family at times in the midst of the war, it was all for protection, knowing that they would be safe. And after finally making it safely to Germany, despite not having run or competed in years, he was determined to simply make it back on the track, eventually competing at the Olympic Games one last time. So that's the story of John Akibua, Uganda's first and still only Olympic champion back in 1972. So make sure you follow the podcast, come back next time for another story, check us out on Instagram, and thanks for tuning in to Track and Field Black History.